0: 6.30 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 6.30 Chad.
1: Seven o'clock tomorrow morning, the Edmonton Oilers will have their first scrimmage of training camp. They're done at Nate after three days there. They'll be in the downtown community arena tomorrow. So a scrimmage at 11.00. And I look forward to that little better chance to evaluate players. I think especially the goaltenders. Somebody asked me about the goalies on Monday and I said, I don't know. In practice, there's a lot of odd man situations. Players can usually walk in and get a pretty good shot away. So I don't evaluate goaltenders too much until I see them in the scrimmages. And I got to tell you in the summer, it was the last couple of scrimmages where Miko Koskinen outplayed Mike Smith, and I thought Koskinen had done enough to earn the call in game one against Chicago, but, of course, Dave Tippett went with the player he knows a little better and started Mike Smith against the Blackhawks. Anyway, that's uh, that's all uh, water under the bridge at this point. This year's training camp rolls on, and, yeah, the scrimmage tomorrow at 11. Looking forward to seeing that. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We had special uh, news coverage between 6 and 7, but uh, Inside Sports will be back in its uh, regular full-time slot from 6 to 8 tomorrow, just with you from 7 to 8 tonight. If you want to check in, I'm happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063. Anything you want to talk about the Oilers, or maybe you have some thoughts on last night's World Junior game, Rob Brown will be by to talk about that between 7.30 and 8. Rob, a gold medalist himself at the tournament back in the late 1980s, a tournament he uh, enjoys watching, and I think he understands the pressure the Canadian kids are under And uh, I, I know from working with Rob for several years, he, he is usually one to point out a, a positive play before he points out a mistake or a shortcoming. And uh, I think he's going to give, I, I would guess he's going to give the American team a lot of credit. They, they, I thought they played an excellent game last night when I was watching on TSN yesterday and Gordon Miller called the final few seconds. He, he said a near perfect game by the United States. And I think you have to give them credit. Uh, hey did Canada miss some shades ch- chances sure were there some mistakes along the way sure but uh, you know the Americans made some mistakes too but they played with a lot of energy they played with a lot of dedication they were really committed to defending the front of their net and then their goaltender made the saves that he needed to make as well so disappointing for Canada it's a tournament we uh pretty much always do well in I mean Canada's pretty much always in the semifinals. So playing for some color of metal, you want the gold. These guys take home silver. I think still a great addition of the uh, Canadian World Junior team, regardless that they they didn't quite get the final result. Anyway, so, yeah, the Oilers will skate tomorrow. A bit of a side note here uh, from the Oilers. Yessi Puliyarvi will wear number 13, will wear number 13 now. When he first was with the Oilers in training camp, he was number thirty nine, which I thought, okay, that's going to be his number. And then the first game at Rogers Place, I think it was the the day of the game when the Oilers uh, put out the roster. This was like this was the the very first game against at Rogers Place. That one against the Flames. That uh, what did it wind up seven four for Edmonton? Pull the RV scored in that game. He wore number ninety eight. It's funny I've been seeing, <laughs> seeing some some uh, some Twitter exchanges today. Uh, Jim Matheson, particularly from Post Media, says he never liked Pugliarvi wearing 98 because it was uh, too close to 99. And, of course, the Oilers do have McDavid wearing 97. Nuge wears 93. I I, I never uh, liked 98. I, I think if you're McDavid... And you're a number one draft pick, and you're identified as such a great player before you've even stepped on the ice in the league. Maybe you can get away with wearing wearing a number, and with that number and being the captain, he's you know going to be the last guy introduced when they go by the numbers. So I, I did. I mean, a number is a number. You can kind of wear what you want, and there's no law that says you can't wear ninety eight. You can't wear ninety nine. It's retired. But I just found ninety eight was kind of an... Awkward number stuck in there between McDavid's ninety-seven and Gretzky's uh, Gretzky's ninety-nine, but Folliardi uh, is going to go with thirteen. So no worries about that. David DeHarnay was wearing 13. Was he not? When he got the overtime goal against the Sharks in the first round of game five in 2017, uh, Mike Camilleri wore 13. I think Jason Garrison wore 13. He wasn't an oiler for very long. So anyway, Pully going to wear 13. Hopefully he is an oiler for a long time. We talked a lot about him on the show last night and I'm looking forward to seeing him in tomorrow's scrimmage. I want to talk a little bit about the goaltending tonight. Now, we know we got Miko Koskinen. We, we know we got Mike Smith back for another year. And Anton Forsberg has been signed as a third goaltender. First of all, I like this signing at the time. And I, I'm not going to you know, promise you that Anton Forsberg is going to play a ton of NHL games. I'm not going to try to tell you that he's had a prolific NHL career because he hasn't. He's only played 48 games. He has uh, a record of 12-25-4, so that's not a very good record. He has a nine oh one save percentage, which is a, a below-average save percentage. But he has been in the NHL. He's played for Carolina. He's played for Chicago. He's played for Columbus. I don't mind this guy as an organizational number three. It means Skinner and Wells, Stuart Skinner then Dylan Wells can be with the Bakersfield Condors, play through the AHL season. And uh, if you need the emergency third goaltender or you have an emergency where you need your third goalie to play, Forsberg's right there. He's going to be on the taxi squad. He knows what it's like to prep for an NHL game and be in those situations, though it's not a ton of them, and he can hop in and play. So I like that signing. Uh, I'll get to the caller on hold in a second here, but I asked Forsberg today, because we hadn't had a chance to talk to him since he signed, he did a Zoom availability after his practice, and I said, "Why, why the orders, Anton? Why did you think this was a good place for it?"
2: First of all, it's uh, it's an honor to play for such a big organization. Uh, it's been around for a long time. Uh, uh, that was a big part of my decision. Uh, well known since before, um, and it's just um, I felt it felt like a good uh, good option here uh, coming in here uh, uh, compete for a job. And uh I'm excited
1: to be here. All right, a little bit there from Anton Forsberg, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Robert on the line. Robert, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Uh hey Reed, how you doing? Good man. What's going on? Uh, well well,
3: I wanna talk I wanna talk a little bit first about the uh the world junior game last night. I mean obviously obviously disappointing for Canada to lose. Uh, I mean on home ice, but I mean, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you got to give the you got to give the states credit. They played they played a good game, and Spencer Knight and Nat, I mean, he he made the saves, right? I mean, you, I mean, you know, some nights you're going to have that. You're going to run into a hot goalie. So, like, I kind of wanted your thoughts on that.
1: Well, yeah, like I said, I, I thought Knight made some really good saves, but I also thought the Americans. Defended very desperately you you i'm i I know you listen to rob and i after games rob often talks about defending the house you know if you want to pretend that there was maybe a a basketball key extending out from the net you know in, in hockey that's where most of the goals come from they did a good job collapsing down there deflecting a lot of passes blocking a few shots and then what impressed me too robert was when the americans got the puck they 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 zoomed the other way like they didn't wait they were playing a high tempo high pressure game they committed to it and uh yeah they definitely got the saves but I-, I thought for the states that was a team win not just a goalie win
3: yeah no I no. like I definitely uh, I definitely agree with, uh, with you on uh on how like they uh, they used their speed when they got the puck and they attacked so I mean you know ultimately I believe uh, you know, I believe they deserve the win. I mean, the second goal, you you could you could maybe call it puck luck where it hits the boards, it comes back, you know, catches the catches the Canada goalie leaning the wrong way. But I mean, that's just the it's uh, that's, uh, that's just the way it goes. But yeah. now I wanna I, I wanna I wanna shift a shift a little bit to the Oilers and training camp right now. Uh, is like I know, like I I called in earlier and you'd ask you'd ask me. What I thought of Poliario, and I've, uh, you know, I, I've been, I've, I've been uh, thinking about that a little bit. I think, uh, I think he, he flip-flops between maybe maybe the second and third lines, give or take. That's just, that's just my opinion as to how Tippett will use him. Now, it's uh, again, as, and as far as the goaltending goes, I believe, I believe, I, I believe it's going to be Koskinen and Smith all the way. Of Forsberg maybe gets a chance, but I think the only way I see that happening is if, A, there's an injury, or B, both Smith and Koskinen are struggling badly.
1: Yeah, I, I think Forsberg is, uh, he, he's a safety net and it's so they don't have to call up and use one of the young guys. And, and when they've had, I mean, Skinner was up for a few games last year and, and never got to play. So I I think they just wanted a player. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Forsberg here, who at least had some NHL experience and has been in games. And then I think pooley Robert, I, I'm fine with him being on the third line for now, especially if he and Taurus and potentially Archibald are, are productive. Then maybe you don't need to move him up. Maybe you have a, finally a strong third line. So that's how I see that. Thanks, buddy.
3: Yeah, thanks, Reid. We'll uh, talk uh, talk during the season for sure.
1: Absolutely. That is Robert, uh, one of our regulars, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Lanny in Sturgeon says, Reid, I want the scrimmages on TV live. Make it so. Well, Lanny, I appreciate the Jean-Luc Picard command, make it so. Uh, I can't put them on TV. I think the Oilers' website uh, will stream the scrimmages. They usually do that. I don't know if you're able to watch the, the web, Lanny, if you're at work or hook your laptop up to your uh, your TV with a cable if you're at home. But uh, whatever you miss, uh, Bob and I will fill you in on tomorrow. Yeah, talking about uh, Anton, uh, Anton Forsberg, uh, here's Dave Tippett about his new goalie
0: he looks really solid you know schwarzy uh, did a lot of work on him and um really spoke highly of him and so he's he's a guy that we kind of targeted and we are fortunate to get and uh, um you know he's a solid guy he's got some nhl experience uh understands the league understands his role on the team so he's been real solid in practice so far uh, dustin schwartz is very happy with him where he's at so uh, he was a really good addition to our club
1: All right, so he's going to be on the taxi squad. Now, teams can carry a few extra players this year. If there is a COVID situation, you have somebody who can fill in right away. So 23-man rosters plus a max of six on the taxi squad. One of them has to be a goaltender. So that'll be Forsberg. So Forsberg will still be uh, on the ice for a lot of practices the large majority of nhl teams the large majority of the time just have two goalies around for practice so now teams are going to have three i asked hedge coach uh dave tippett did the practice plans rhythms of practices do they change when you have three goalies around
0: well it's going to be unique in the fact that uh you know forsberg will be on the taxi the taxi squad so um your top two guys have to get as much work as they need and uh um, the third guy will jump in there when, when needed. And there's going to be days when, you know, with our schedule, there's going to be days when goaltenders take days off or, uh, resting in a morning skate. So, uh, that third guy will come in handy. It's funny how it goes. Like for years, I've thought teams should be able to carry a third goalie because you need him for practice now and then. So now you have it. Well, it'll be a nice luxury to have, but, uh, uh we feel Forsberg a good player and come in and, uh, if we need him, uh, he's, uh, he's very capable.
1: Well, so there you go. Tippett has actually uh, said he, he would have liked teams to have three goalies in the past. So he gets it this year under strange circumstances. And that's a good point. Sometimes a goalie gets a maintenance day and sometimes the, the goalie who's starting that night might not take the morning skate so now you should always have two goaltenders for practice which helps you don't have to put in the shooter tutor or shoot at pylons or just imagine where the goalie is and try to pick the corner they'll actually have two guys so Tippett sees a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of positive there I, Miko Koskinen also commented on having three goalies in practice
2: And back in a uh, we always used to have three goalies in practice I think that's that's actually like uh, better, like a practice wise you can, um, you know, sometimes you don't have to work like that hard in practice. So can you can take a little bit more rest and take the other guys, take more shots if you play a lot. And uh, I think that, I think that's only good, good thing for, uh, for me and uh, the other
1: goalies too. All right. So uh, Miko Koskin doesn't mind that he's used to it from the KHL. And just to get to know Anton Forsberg a little bit more, he is Swedish. He's had a couple of nice moments in his career. He helped the Lake Erie Monsters win the AHL Championship, the Calder Cup, in 2016. He played 10 playoff games. He went 9-0 with a 949 save percentage, so that is pretty good. And the 2012 World Juniors, which were hosted by Edmonton and Calgary, he did get a gold medal in Sweden. Didn't play a, a lot. He played one game. He did get the win for Sweden. So he was primarily a backup goaltender on that team. But he does have World Junior gold. And I asked him about his path to becoming a goalie.
2: Well, growing up, uh, we had we had a real honor team that we weren't allowed to uh, be a goalie from the start. We had to alternate because of so many guys that wanted to be goalie. Uh, I kind of always knew that I wanted to be one. Uh, but at the end of the day, I. I actually were a player until I was eleven. I was kinda of going back and forth. Uh once I think uh once I turned eleven around there around there, uh I started going goalie full time. And then uh ever since then I basically been yeah, just playing goalie.
1: All right. So now you know the Oilers' third goaltender, Anton Forsberg, a little bit better, a little bit better. Rob Brown is coming up. We'll talk uh, a little bit about Evan Bouchard. Coach Tippett has some good things to say about him today. You're welcome to chime in, 780-496-0063. Maxwell Katz says the U.S. just looked like they wanted it more last night. Way hungrier, hungrier, it seemed, right from the puck drop. And Rob Brown will talk about that world junior. Nuge said yesterday that there were no bets between American and Canadian players on the Oilers roster. And Nude said, I don't think any of the American guys want to bet us. Man, oh man. Caleb Jones and Kyler Yamamoto, they, they could have got a dinner or two out of this if they would have stepped up and bet for their team. But uh, they decided not to. Full credit to the United States for that victory, for sure. Oilers will scrimmage tomorrow at 11 a.m. at the downtown community rink. Really looking forward to seeing that. So the way that the defense have have shaken down, you've had Nurse with Bear, you have had Caleb Jones with Adam Larson, you've had Chris Russell with Tyson Berry, and you've had Slater Cuckoo with Evan Bouchard, the Oilers' first-round pick, 10th overall from uh, a couple years ago. So Bouchard, you know, got that brief look in the NHL, scored a goal, and then, uh, you know, went back to junior, has been in the minors, definitely can shoot the puck, definitely could be on the power play. That's obviously going to be Barry's job for this year. But Bouchard trying to make his way, trying to become a full-time pro. If you look at the way those pairings are structured, you I think you'd say the Oilers see him as the organizational number eight defenseman because I think Cuckoo was signed to sort of be a 6'7 type. Now, Philip Broberg isn't here. He played for Sweden at the World Juniors, and now he's playing in the Swedish Hockey League for Shaleftia. I know he's looked uh, pretty good when he has made brief appearances in Oilers camp, specifically in the summer leading to the qualifying round, but he's not an option this year, uh, or at least for now. I suppose he could come over here after the Swedish season is over. So Evan Bouchard right now appears to be in that number eight spot. Dave Tippett commented on Bouch
0: you know what he's been excellent in camp he's uh he's really i think there's a maturity in him that's uh that's come a long way uh the sweden stuff just playing this year i think really helped them just the, the ability to go over there and and keep playing it's the worst thing that can happen for a young player is just to sit out for months and months so he played over there played a lot of minutes but he's come in here and he has a he has a new confidence about him that he uh, he thinks he can be an NHL player, and he's pushing that way. He's making good plays. He's engaging with his teammates. His work ethic uh, in practice looks like more like an NHL player than a junior player. So he's coming along, uh, coming along just fine. He's going to be a very good player.
1: All right, so making progress, and I think what's important there looks more like an NHL player than a junior player. You got to make those steps. Looks like Bouchard is making them. Chris Russell with uh, with Tyson Berry, at least. That's how they're doing things right now. Tippett was asked about that pairing.
0: I'll see Barry a little more. I'll see the pair a little more tomorrow, but nothing set in stone yet. Uh, but Barry, you can tell he's, uh, you know, he's a uh, he enjoys playing. He gets out there. He's uh, he's got high talent. He's he moves the puck well. Uh, it was interesting to see the power play moving things around a little bit today and. Uh, uh, he looks like he fits right in there. So um, I'm interested to see how, you know, in the scrimmages, see where we're at with him, see where that pair's at. And, uh, but so far, he's fit in very well. Uh, really likable guy. Looks like he's enjoying himself. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to monitor him and hopefully he can get up and going and he can be a big impact player on our team.
1: All right, a little bit there from Dave Tippett. Get more on the Oilers on 630shed.com, globalnews.ca. This texter writes and he says, "Hey, Reed at the World Juniors, Dylan Holloway was the best forward. He and his line mates uh, should have had more ice time because uh, the others couldn't get it going. I blame it on the coaches for not doing a good job." Well, I thought, you know, I Holloway, uh, what he missed a game early in the tournament. I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was a very dogged forechecker. I, I I wouldn't call him the best forward necessarily. I mean, I mean, Dylan Cousins was was. Incredible scoring, but uh, I, I thought Holloway had a good tournament. I, I know there are some questions about that pick for the Oilers. I think he looks like a good prospect. I mean, clearly we're not going to see him in the NHL for probably a couple of years. But uh, no, I didn't mind Holloway's game at the World Juniors for sure. We'll talk about that with Rob and other storylines from the tournament and other storylines affecting your Edmonton Oilers as well. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chad back after the news and weather. you tuning in tonight another note from the Oilers today Devin Shore who did not skate Monday and Tuesday was on the ice today Dave Tippett also said Dominic Cahoon isn't far away from being able to play he says James Neal still a bit further away from getting involved and we knew that Gaetan Haas would be missing the start of camp as uh, when he was playing in Switzerland, he played in a game where there were players with COVID in the game. So when he got back to uh, Canada, he had to quarantine to uh, to get through that. So he has to miss the start of camp. So that's the latest on some of the players who have not been on the ice for your Edmonton Oilers. 780-496-0063 to call or text. Uh, that person who texted in about Dylan Holloway said, just wanted to clarify that he meant that Holloway was the, oil, was the uh, Canadians' best forward last night, not for the whole uh, tournament. And that person added that, um, you know, he thought Holloway should have got a little bit more ice time. And, yeah, maybe a good four-checker like that would have helped swing the game. But the Americans played very well. And to discuss a guy who uh, played in the World Junior Tournament, I, I'll just say back in the day, Rob Brown, we don't need to <laughs> give the exact date. The, the the footage is in black and white, and not all the games were televised. But, <laughs> but no, I, I you know, I... I'll, I'll, tee, I'll tee up like this because uh, I, I, I don't like to put words in people's mouths, but I, I feel like I know you pretty well. And uh, I know you're the type of guy when, when, uh, when a goal is scored or a game is won, you always look for the positive plays before you look for the mistakes. And man, oh man, there were a lot of positive plays by the Americans last night. I thought they were just flying.
4: Uh, they played well uh they have a good hockey club this is a team with uh, a number of first rounders on it as well it's a team that's been together for uh, a number of years the us have a uh, kind of a, a program down there where these kids play on the same team year after year after year and they haven't had the success that they thought they were going to have or hope that they were going to have until they won the world junior gold medal uh, they were good uh, I, I think the, the biggest, and I, I said this at the beginning of the tournament, the biggest disadvantage that Team Canada was going to have was they were in a weak division. Uh, they weren't going to face adversity. They weren't going to face a troubling time. They weren't going to see how certain players would react in certain situations if things started to go sideways. So when the first time they faced adversity against the, the Americans in the gold medal game as a coach you don't know who to look down for you're like okay who's the guy that really steps up in these situations because they hadn't been there uh players on the ice uh, they got pushed for the first time didn't know how to react the americans on the other hand they'd lost a game against i believe they lost the first game against the russians they had tough games uh, in the semifinal against finland they had a tough game against sweden so they were a little more battle hardened and i think it really showed in the at the beginning of the game, in the first, you know, 20, 20, 25 minutes, that the Canadians weren't used to playing against a team that was pushing back. They weren't used to a team that they weren't able to impose their will on, and they struggled with it. And you know as well as I do, getting a lead in any hockey game is tough to come back from. And when you've got a team playing as desperate as the Americans were and they had a goaltender that was on his game, uh, in, in in the game against Canada, it was tough to come back from. A little bit of puck luck, maybe things change, but at the end of the night, the team that was better on that given night was the Americans, and they deserved the gold medal.
1: Well, and I noticed they were doing one thing you always stress, and, and you played forward in the NHL, and you always say how coaches told you, you still got to defend the house. I mean, they TSN called it the home plate area. Sometimes you and I say, "Imagine a basketball key extending out from the from the icing line in hockey, and that and that's what I found they they, they, they were just always in the way. I mean, Canada had a lot of like, oh they're going to get chance, oh no, tipped away, oh, shot hit a stick they, And then when the Americans got the puck, they didn't wait. They just flew the other way. i mean it was they just were completely committed yeah they
4: were getting the lead was huge. Uh, I think they gained confidence. I mean, the Canadians were heavy favorites going into the game. And the the everyone in the, the tournament saw how the Canadians started every game. They, the first three minutes, they were up in almost every game. I think they averaged a goal in the first three minutes of every hockey game. So the Americans came out in the first period and, and pushed the Canadians around, and all of a sudden, the Americans got some belief. And when they got the lead, uh, they played with a desperation in their own zone, and what you were talking about. They just didn't allow the Canadians to get into the good scoring areas. And the one thing that we saw in this uh, World Juniors is the Canadians scored a lot of goals that were bad goals. They were weak goals. Uh, you look back, you know, the German game when they scored 16, probably 12 of those <laughs> were were considered <laughs> grade B or grade C scoring chances. The Canadians never really had to get to those scoring areas to score early in the early in the tournament. Oh, well, the Americans, they just clogged it up. They had, they had a great goaltender. He's good. Like, he is a very good goaltender. And then they just clogged it up, and they said, all right, you're going you're to shoot from the outside. It's going to have to go through three, player, three players' legs before it even gets to the goaltender. And you can do that when you have a lead because you can play a little bit more defensive. The Canadians pushed in the third period, but again, that game was lost early in the hockey game when the Americans got the lead and the Canadians, when well, the desperation came to them, and then uh, the Canadians shortened their bench, and you could tell some of their star players, like, Huggins, they were exhausted. Uh, mm-hmm. That Byram, I don't know how many minutes he ended up playing, but it seemed like he was on the ice the entire second and third period, and eventually if you're chasing the entire night and you don't get that one bounce to give you a little bit of energy, it starts to wear on you, and you could see that late in the game for the Canadians, they started to get tired.
1: I, I know you touched on it a little bit, but how much do you buy into the analysis or the storyline that it was just too easy for Canada to, to that point, And then they kind of couldn't react appropriately when they were behind or maybe feeling a, a little bit like they needed to turn the tide of the game. And, and look, these, I mean, the players in this tournament, Canadians included, are, are playing the highest level of junior in their country. So they've been under pressure and they've, they've been in big games, but can it happen in a tournament where the first time you're faced with something really going against you that it, it can be hard to figure out how to fight through it?
4: Well, it'd be uh, trying to get an example. It'd be like the Oilers playing four exhibition games against teams that, you know, they've got four or five NHL players in the lineup and a bunch of minor league players. And then the, their fifth game is against the Calgary Flames who have played four straight games, of league play, they played Vegas, they played Winnipeg, they've played Vancouver, and they've played the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now they're playing their fifth game, which seems a little more hard and which seems a little more game ready. I mean, the, the preliminary games to the Canadians, uh, they were exhibition games. They were games that uh, they weren't tested, they weren't pushed. Or the Americans, they had to s- scrape the whole way to, 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 to you know, to, to, as they moved on in their their group because their group was stronger remarkably stronger so it it was tough so yeah it it did make a difference now that's not saying why the americans won on that one given night the americans were the better hockey club but to me i said it before the whole thing started that the americans the russians and the swedes had an advantage because they had to play tougher games first and i'm i'm a stats guy and i've already looked ahead next year the canadians are in a bad a bad situation again. It's them and the Finns and three bad teams again next year in the World Juniors and the Russians, the Swedes and the Americans are all in the same division again, which kind of sucks, but it is what it is. At the end of the day, the first 20 minutes, the Americans were the team. They were a much better team than the Canadians. They got the lead and they deserved the win.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because I had Canada's pool written down. Uh, Yeah, Canada, Finland, Germany, Czech Republic and uh, Austria. And I think you know we well who knows what the german team is going to look like because like Paterka and stutzel probably won't be on that team again <laughs> next year so i mean stutzel might win the calder trophy in the nhl this year though i guess the, he, the rangers left for year will have something to say about that but he's good oh
4: well, reed you and i talked about it when when you're talking about if they should have fewer teams in the tournament we said well if that was the case and the best player in the tournament might not be there <laughs> the more i watched him wow he is he's smart and in all honesty, he's, he's by himself on that team. You know, the other kid you mentioned, not bad. But when you're playing against Germany, it's like, okay, all five guys focus on this kid <laughs> because that kid is that good. And he still was able to dominate in games. So he is a, a really good hockey player. And it was, it, was, it was fun watching the World Juniors, just seeing a number of these young, talented hockey players and how good they are. And you look forward to seeing where they go in the future. I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what Byram does in Colorado. That kid... Uh, he just never stops moving. Uh, Cousins, I think he's going to uh, Buffalo.
1: Yeah, he's Buffalo. He
4: good, yeah. And he—he's a good hockey player. So there was—and and, what's the kid that played for the U.S.? Kyle, their best player, the kid that—oh, uh, for the Ducks. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Again, smart, heady player. He's a guy that every time he makes a decision, it's always the right decision. So there were some really cool storylines, some really good players. And it's funny. Uh, my buddy and I were watching it. Remotely, He from his house and me from my house and kept texting back and forth. He and I actually coached one of the gold medal winning hockey players years and years ago. Sanderson was uh, when he used to live in Kenalbert. Jeff lived in Tynabry. Oh, his son, his son and my son were on the same hockey team. So we coached him. So we said that it's because of our coaching and I think it was initiation or novice that he is now a world champion. But the best part is that it's his best asset is his skating, and neither my buddy Brad or I are any good at skating. So that must have been when we brought the Learn to Skate Lady out to help him.
1: Yeah, the Rob Brown influence is huge. There's (laughs) there's no doubt about that. The Big L writes in tonight, and he says, uh, Rob, during the Christmas break, I was watching the NHL Classic game. It was game four of the 92 Stanley Cup final. Around the 10-minute mark of the second period, the play-by-play voice pointed out that you, Rob Brown, were back-checking and even threw a body check behind your own net. Would you like to explain? <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, that would have been, I, I'm guessing it would have been the Pittsburgh announcer. so that's why they were surprised. <laughs> in Chicago, they made me do that, but in Pittsburgh, I was, at that time in my career, I wasn't a uh, defense wasn't my strength and physicality certainly wasn't. So yeah, they uh when you when I played for Keenan and Sutter, they made me do things that I wasn't used to doing. So yeah. It was it was neat though watching all those because uh, 'cause they've had a whole bunch of games on over the last little while watching something. I've seen it's a few that all I know is that my celebrations were too exuberant and my hair
1: was too long. <laughs> I thought I thought you looked great. The the hair looked great. And well, you did You did like, you're so, I, I will admit this, Rob, when, when I was watching you before I knew you, I, I probably did think that you were annoying with the way you celebrated. So talented.
4: Well, <laughs> part of the reason I did it was to annoy the other team. But it's funny, the year that I, I don't know if I talked about it on the show last time I was with you, but the year that Ron Hextell chased me, I always was upset. like, why did he chase I didn't even celebrate after that goal. Then I watched the, the, the highlights from one of the games. The, game, the goal before it I scored as well it was the eighth goal of the game, and I celebrated all the way to center. Now I'm like, now I know why he came after me. It was the goal before. He was still mad. I would have chased me too.
1: Well, hey, my message to him and other goaltenders is, is if you make the save, you don't have to worry about the players celebrating. Rob Brown joining us on Inside Sports. Good analysis of the World Juniors. Still a great Canadian team. Okay, I'm looking forward to the scrimmage tomorrow, Rob. Uh, I mean, it's cool watching players in, in drills and you get a little bit of a sense of their skill level, but I really want to see Jesse Pooley in a game situation. By the way, if you missed it earlier, he's changed his number from 98 to 13. So going a little bit more traditional, um, you know, somebody called in earlier and I've, I've you know, had text the last couple of days. Well, I hope he gets moved up to the first or second line. I'm just like, let's have Jesse go out and play. If he's with Turris and Archibald on a third line and can be productive, I think that's that's fine right now. He's he's proven himself here, and he seems to have come with the attitude that, that, that he wants to to prove himself. I, you know, I'm fine if... It'd be great if someday he's a first or second liner. I'm fine with him being a third liner and, and helping that position on the team right now.
4: Well, I agree. I, there's been so much written and talked about uh, over the last number of years. Uh, some of the problems he brought on himself um, the last thing he needs, and like changing the numbers, a great example. The last thing he needs is a, a spotlight on him, and him changing his numbers. And all right, I'm, I'm I can go to a number that's not as noticeable. Although thirteen, I'm not sure he knows North America. That's a very noticeable <laughs> number, number thirteen. But uh, he doesn't. He doesn't want to be noticed. Notice. He wants to be under the radar, and that's why the third line is perfect for him. Because if you go on, if you go up to the first line right at the beginning, all eyes are on you. And it's either success or bust. There's no middle ground if you're playing on the first line because you have, you've got to produce. And if you don't produce, then you're a complete bust and we're moving you down. Play on the third line where, you know, every fourth game you chip in with a goal or something like that. Then you start to gain confidence. You start to get traction. The one thing that uh never had in the NHL is traction. He's never had it where he, he builds from one game to another game to another game and becomes a consistent player in the NHL. That's what he has to do first. Get some traction. Prove that you're an NHL player, because he hasn't proved that yet. Prove you're an NHL player, and then once you get to that point where you're counted on, where every game you go to, you know your sweater's hanging up because you know you're in the lineup. Yeah, you're, you're allowed to play the last two, three minutes of a period. You're, you're at the beginning of periods. Once you get that kind of uh, confidence in yourself and confidence from the coaching staff, then... You can start to think about bigger and better things. But Yesy right now needs to worry about one thing, and that's being an NHL hockey player on a day-to-day basis. If he can do that, if he goes through these 56 games, plays consistently, gets his 14 to 16 minutes a night, and he's in the lineup every night, I would call that a huge success for Yessi Bully-Arby.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I'm looking forward to that too. And I, and I want to see him in the scrimmage tomorrow. And I, I've said this on the show this week, Rob. I'd forgotten how big he is. And of course, first of all, I'm not a tall guy. So 99% of NHL players are taller than me. There's actually a couple of exceptions on the Oilers this year, but (laughs) but they're, they're certainly just, you know, bigger, stronger human beings than I am. But yes, he's not just tall. Like some guys are tall, but you know, they're lanky. Right. But like, Dave Tippett called him a mountain of a man and he is like he's he's tall and he's, and he's wide so I mean if he can put it together and get going with speed and he talked about working on puck protect, protection in Finland I, I don't know who's going to get the puck off him if he ever gets that skill down in the NHL
4: well one of the reasons he went as high as he was and had success in junior was his size I mean he was a man playing against kids when he was in the world juniors when he was playing when he was growing up so Uh, Success followed him because he was able to do things uh, that other players weren't capable of doing because of his size. Uh, Another reason that you want him to find success with a third line instead of having playing on your first two lines is where he, he struggles at the NHL level is thinking the game. And you can't play with Leon and you can't play with Connor if you can't think the game. So he's got to prove to the coaching staff that he can think the game properly. He's got the tools. There's, no one has ever, and you and I have talked about Yessie a long time, we, we were the ones that said he's not ready yet or he shouldn't, he's not good enough to play all those things, but we've never, ever doubted his skill set. He can shoot, he can pass, he can skate, he's big, he's strong. He's got everything, but it's all in his head. He's got to be able to think the game quicker. His feet and his hands move faster than his head. He's got to eventually catch up and think the game through. Once he does that, he's going to be a very good hockey player. But that is the one thing holding him back. That's one thing that's held him back the last couple of years. Hopefully, the confidence that he's gained over playing back in, in Europe, playing back in Finland, will allow him to see the game differently, see the game quicker than he did before.
1: Uh, I'll wrap up here, Rob. we got a listener texting us. He says, do you think Ken Holland has had a chat with the team and uh, has told them you want to make the team, you have to perform well? Uh, doesn't matter whether you're a veteran or not. And did you go ever through anything like that? Well, I don't know if I don't know if the GM needs to say that to the players. I, I, I would hope that they they know that. But is there any GM uh, player interaction at this time of year, or is it totally just coaches now?
4: Uh, every team that I've ever played on, uh, the very first team meeting you had at training camp, the general manager talked, every single one. I've never. And I played on a lot of different teams and a lot of different leagues. The GM always talked on day one, and he always said the same thing. said the competition here, all jobs are open, which isn't true. And we always giggled on that. <laughs> Nobody is safe here. Well, that's not true at all. He, if they all were honest, they'd say, okay, we have one spot open on defense, and we got one spot open on four, and you 50 extra players are fighting for it. That would have been more honest. But, yeah, no uh, – players players are smart they they look at the the depth chart they know know who's ahead of them who's behind them who they're battling with they don't need to be told by a GM but the GM's always on day one will, will come in and say it and sometimes when the GM talks the players will believe it because they'll look the others this year will look at their depth chart and it is stronger than it has been in the past so when Ken Holland comes in and says there's competition the players honestly believe him this time
1: and there there's always a spot if a player legitimately earns it and ethan bear did that last fall and hey he got a bit of a good break for him bad break for adam larson because on top of bear having a good camp adam got hurt in the in the first game of the season but i mean if 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 you if you are exceptional in camp it, it can't be denied but i but i hear you it's not 23 spots up for grabs it's uh it's one to five depending, depending on the year. Oh, yeah,
4: you're right. And usually it's less than five. Usually it's two or three. Right. But what, you're, what a lot of players are, are doing is they're trying to make a uh, a splash so that if an injury does happen, that you're going to be remembered from what you did in training camp. And I, I know what Bear went through my first year in Pittsburgh, Bob Berry broke his thumb in, in, I think it was the end of exhibition or the first league game, and I got in because of that and it was able to make a career because someone got injured. So you're going there. There's not always a spot available, but there eventually will be or could be, and you want to make sure that the GM, the coaching staff, the scout, everyone says, you know what? I remember what he did in training camp. I remember what he did in exhibition season. Make sure you're noticed because at some point they're
1: going to need you
4: or they're going to need someone you want up to be you.
1: Yeah. Hey, Rob, we got a game one week from tonight, buddy. Looking forward to it. Thanks for hopping on the show. Sounds good, Reed. See you soon. That is our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown. Quick timeout, Inside Sports on Chet. Well, speaking of fighting for roster spots, nothing new to Alex Chason.
2: Sometimes I look back to those years and you, uh, you know, I would leave home and I had a, a suitcase and a backpack and, you know, you leave, you, you don't really know where you're heading. And uh, I think I've learned a lot from that. Uh, I try to remind myself what that feel like. And, um, and I think that kind of puts me at ease mentally, but also I, I know that uh, nothing is given, nothing is granted. Uh, this is uh, playing in the NHL is a privilege show. I think that kind of explains my mindset for for going into the camp this year.
1: Yeah, Alex Jason, I I could see him playing all over the lineup throughout the season for the Edmonton Oilers. As we've seen, he can score in bunches, and uh, you know I like his work down low. I think Alex Jason is most effective probably when he's in about twenty within about twenty feet of the other team's net. All right, we got a winder up for tonight. Charles Adler is coming up next. More hockey talk tomorrow, I'll tell you what went down at the Oilers scrimmage. We'll also have newly signed defensive back from the Edmonton Football team, Jonathan Rose, who went through a pretty uh, tough injury ordeal over the last couple of years. So we will get that story. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports, Kellen Kennedy the studio producer. My name is Reed. Have a great night.
0: 6:30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on
4: 6:30 Chad.